0: me of of what I was saying earlier you know I think this is a really good um, example of what I was saying when when we have that relationship and that encounter with the Lord and something happens it's not just for us it's for those around us and to hear how many people were blessed and got more connected with the Lord and believed more the Lord through this one thing you know that's just that just rocks That just blows my mind. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you guys here at the house to my friends, Ed and Sly Pichette. I have known them 10 years now, I guess. At least 10, around 10. About 10 10 or so years now. um, I was introduced to them by my other friend who happens to be here today, Katrina. Um, She's known them for a very long time. Very, very, very long time. And um, I've been completely blessed by them this entire time of knowing them. Um, Our hearts just aligned so well. And I tell you, right now this opportunity that you guys get to meet and encounter them, I knew the moment I met them that this was gonna happen. (laughs) I knew this was gonna happen. I'm so pumped that they're here. Um so they are doing amazing things um with the Lord up in New England. They're from Rhode Island. Um they're doing a lot just between, you know, pastoring their church grace their church Graceway, which a couple of us here at the house have experienced before. I've taken a couple of our teens and, and Bob Cop and we went up there for a youth event. Um I've been up there, Joe's been up there, we've been up there several times, and I just love doing life with them. I love partnering with them, and I believe a lot of what they carry is also something we're actually in that direction of here at the house, um, in looking at unity and things. I'm gonna let them talk more on what that is. So, Ed and Sly, come on up.
1: Thanks. Thank
2: you for uh, the invitation you this morning, mm-hmm. although I'm kind of bummed you didn't invite me for the picnic next week or this week, Yeah. You
1: have to turn your microphone on. Now
2: I'm on. There you, there you go. go. There, there you go. Okay, I'm live. I'm well, live.
1: before you you continue on, I just, thank you. I don't know. What's your name? Diane. Diane, thank you for this, for being obedient and stepping out into that. It is um, not always easy. <laughs> yeah, but Revelation talks about that, right? Revelations 12. Give me the verse. Um, twenty-one, maybe twenty-one. Four? We overcome by the blood of and the word of our testimony. testimony, and that's it. That's it. Sharing with such tremble and confidence, though, right? And authority. Things happen. Things start to change. And and wherever you stand and you share that, there's been a transformative moment that happened in heaven, yeah. and we see the example here on earth with your grandson. And then that just has Praise the ability God. to move and just move and move. So this is this is amazing. We will be using this. This is not just to sit there.
2: Amen. <laughs> right. So um I was wondering if you guys would would um be willing to take a minute to pray because the announcement about run against traffic mm-hmm. um man, we can't just run past that. I think we need to intercede and pray into those things cuz those are some things that like we hear a story like this and it like it hits and then we move on to the next announcement, and then it fades away. We forget. And meanwhile, those young girls and those children are in that dark situation 24 hours a day. Um, and we don't want to forget that. We want to be able to work on that behalf and intercede. And things break and change in the spiritual long before yeah. we actually see it happen in, our, yeah. in front of our eyes. So let's be part of that right now. Can we take a minute and, and intercede yeah. into that? Yeah. What is Chris's wife's name? Oh, Tommy and Chrissy. Okay, got it. <laughs> Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for the way that you have raised up Tommy and Chrissy and for the way that they are, they are carrying um, this burden, Lord. And uh, Jesus, I pray that your anointing and empowerment and provision would be upon them i pray for creative strategies lord as they as they navigate how to intervene and break a cycle lord jesus of destruction and torture lord jesus that young people who who haven't even yet experienced life have been thrust into. Lord, they are in a hopeless situation, and you and you alone are the one that it can intervene. And we see you raising up people like Tommy and 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 Chrissy, Lord, and so many others. And we pray here and now as we stand and sit in this place. Would you raise us up? Would you uh, would you let us feel the burden of your heart as you see these children, Lord God, in these dark places? May we feel, God, would you entrust us with the weight of that burden? And move us to intervene on their behalf, Lord. It's so hard when it's not in front of our eyes and we don't see it. It's not a felt thing. And so we need you, Lord, spiritually to help us to feel the urgency to move out and do something on his behalf, Lord. So would you do that and would you work this way, Father? And even show us how, how we can navigate that. How can we go about uh, being the, the, the answer to the prayer, that we're offering to you even now, Lord Jesus. We pray for healing, Lord. And God, I thank you for receiving that young girl who really uh, changed the trajectory of Tommy and Chrissy's life, Lord, uh, as they saw her transition to you. I thank you for receiving her, Lord, uh, and seeing her through that tragedy. Oh, God, we look to you. We cry out to you in the midst of a broken world, Lord. You are our only hope. And we will cling to you with all that we are, Lord. Would you continue to speak loud and clear and give us the boldness to move when you say move. And to be quiet and still when you say to be quiet and still. Not to try to fill the silence when that's what you want. But also not to remain silent when you want us to speak up. We trust you with this, Lord. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, of course. Did you have something? I wanted to share? <laughs> She's gathering herself. <laughs>
1: um, that I mean, the Holy Spirit was just ministering to your life, and you can, you can, you know that, you sense that. Um, you were talking about, you know, the Lord just breaking our hearts, and and we. We pray that often, break our hearts, break our hearts. Um, but what I sensed you, in you was more, um, I kept hearing the word ache. Something that aches is like so painful, right? And it's almost this translation of maybe aches that you've experienced in your past, that the Lord is putting this counterintuitive word, but the sweet ache because it's a, it's a ache for the things that are breaking his heart. Um, sometimes uh, not even very well explained. Like you can't explain what it is. It's just like this, this deep ache. Um, and all of us that have experienced ache, we know that aches don't really go away when you rub them or when you drink something. Right. It just takes time. But that, that time in that process um, has to happen. And that ache is good. It's so good. Because the Holy Spirit's just giving you things and downloading things. And the dreams and promises fulfilled in this time for you is just it's so beautiful. Mm. So the Holy Spirit's just got you. He's got <laughs> you. And you know it. You know it. <laughs> I love that. Amen. <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> no, <not> for, now. <laughs> for now.
2: So, uh, this morning, family, uh, I, I just have, um, I feel like a word that the Lord has been speaking over his church, um, especially in the New England region. Like, I, I, we come here this morning with greetings from Graceway Church and really the Church of Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, and so, it's, it's awesome to come and see and, and feel the heartbeat of God in a different region that we're not really from. Um, Kind of feels almost like New Testament-y with the letters (laughs) written back and forth, Paul sending his greetings of his people. Greetings! It does feel like that. And, yeah, so I, you know, it might be a simple word, but I feel like, you know what, it is what it is, and we'll let the the Father do with it as he sees fit. So right now... um, the Lord uh, about a year ago opened an opportunity for me to serve a partnership of churches, and so this partnership is called Together Advance the Gospel. It's a partnership about 75 to 80 churches in Rhode Island and southeastern Mass. You know, Rhode Island you can drive through in 45 minutes, so it's tiny little. It's, it's the size of one of the counties down here, right? You were saying one of the three counties. So
1: it's it's small.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's small. And so God has been doing some really um, exciting and then challenging things with the church at large. So when I say the church this morning, I'm, I'm talking about the wider context, the, the body of Christ. Just so you know, when I say church, I'm not talking about Graceway or the house specifically. God's people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is one of the areas where the Lord is challenging us and inviting us to move to a new place because he wants us to see the way he sees we see with such a limited perspective, and God is inviting us and say, Come up here. Come and take a look at what I see from my perspective. Mm-hmm. When I look at the church, I don't see all these little boxes of Graceway and the house and eagle's nest and these things. I see one family one church, and all of these man-made divisions just so that we have order and organization and know what to do with money and missions and all this kind of stuff. This is all man-made. And God is calling these people back to the heart of what being a Christ follower is all about. The purpose, the meaning, that first song we were singing, the meaning of it all, to the heartbeat, Jesus Christ is Son of God, restoring all things into unity under the the, the headship of Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, 9, and 10. This is what it's all for. And boy, we have got our work cut out for us. When we are living in a time where it's almost like we look for things to be divided about. <laughs> Come on. We just enjoy arguing. We just enjoy getting into it. I don't know what what it is about that. Maybe... I don't know, we just're too feisty because we don't get into physical like, I, I don't know what, what it is all about, but if things are too peaceful and harmonious, it's almost like someone's got to jump in and like, this is, something's not right here." and you to throw a wrench into it all yeah. and screw it up. <laughs> so I began to feel this burden, um, well, really, over 20 years ago in Bible college, but I began to see um, a little bit more of what God sees. About, I wanna say it was 10 years ago or so, when I was serving uh, on Aquidneck Island. So it's in the town of Newport. Katrina, you know Aquidneck Island's, is three, these three towns Portsmouth, Middletown, and Newport. And to- about,
1: and to well, no, I'm talking about the island. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> about 60,000 people. So there's three towns, three public schools, uh, you know, three public middle schools and high schools. One Walmart. <laughs> and, no Walmart, and and yeah, <laughs> and fifty-two churches. Wow. It does seem like a lot, doesn't it? It does seem like a lot. <laughs> so we have one Walmart, which people call the community center, because you can't go there without running into people that you know. You remember how it is. And, um, you know, just a few grocery stores. And everybody goes to these same few schools, same few markets and the same store. And then Sunday morning rolls around. And then it's time where we come to gather as a church family. And we splinter off and we divide and we go to our little fractions. Something's backwards. Something's not right. Remember, Jesus' prayer in John 17 is that it would be one. And now, the condition that we are living in, the world is more united than we are. Is this? Let's not, put, let's not record this. Maybe might, I might not have a. <laughs> this is the tangible reality that we're living in, in so many ways. The, the secular is more united and in one heart and mind than the church of Jesus Christ. God, help us. Mm. But the Lord is calling us to attention. Yeah. And I believe the more that time transpires and has that call echoes louder and louder for those who refuse to hear it or even worse, res- fail to respond and do something to it, there's, it, it's going to get, we're going to start having some sandpaper rub against one another. It's going to get harder and harder to ignore that call. Mm-hmm. And I think the result of trying to ignore that is going is to be yeah. not a pretty sight. The Lord is calling us together to be experientially one. Mm-hmm. Because every single church will talk about the unity of, the, of, of Christians. <laughs> every single church will say, this means so much me that we are one and very few you can actually look at what kind of ministries or programs or actually how they engage in the community where do you see that where that unity go where the core value in practice go and then some revert to oh well, it's a spiritual reality we're going to experience it when we're all in heaven no, this is meant to be an experiential reality, living now. One heart my, like, when I see you, my sister, like, my spirit resonates with yours because it's the same spirit of God. Deep cries out to deep. And so there's an instant bond that is deeper than any other bond the secular realm outside of God can provide. It's only in him that can do this. Were you going to add something?
1: Yeah, no, it, it's when you read, going back to the John 17, you know, when you read John 17, and we've read it a few times, but what makes my heart beat faster and faster is seeing the picture of John 17 as Jesus praying for us, praying for the believers that they would be one. He's praying to the Father as he's like, whoa, what's about to happen? And he's like, I'm praying for them. I was walking with them and, and now I'm not going to. So. I'm praying for them, Father, praying for all of the believers that they would be one just as you and I are one. And that, for me, like, whoa, it gets me to a place where I'm just like, okay, let's sing that again. Let's, and we fall down, you know, like,
2: uh-huh.
1: oh, Lord Jesus, like that we would understand that Jesus was praying for us to be one. He wants that. He desires that. He was praying for us. To just be one and to honor that oneness, to understand what it means that I am no longer my own, that I belong to you. And we're an extension of one another. I don't end here. Like, you and I are one. And, and so when when I read that, and I've read it a few times over, you know how it is. You read something and again and again. And, you know, it takes 25 years to understand this concept of, like, you know, the Lord's been trying to say something. But it's now that I want you to hear Those that have ears, let them hear. If you have eyes, just see what is in front of you. And so the timing of it all, right, when he wants you to hear and understand certain truths that are there. But now I see, oh, my heart just skips so fast and beats so fast to understand that Jesus Christ was praying for us to become one. Yeah, yeah. We
2: see
1: it. We're seeing it. And it's a a hard
2: (laughs) reality to live in because as beautiful of an idea as it is, um, unity means that we are all coming under under something. So there is a certain facet of being united that requires submission and yielding. And that is ultimately under Jesus Christ. He is the head of the body, as the as the metaphor goes goes. And we are we are many members. And Romans twelve five says that. We are many members, and we no longer belong to ourselves, but we belong to one another. Mm -hmm. That means I belong to you. Mm -hmm. So that means if I submit to the head of Jesus Christ, and when he says, I don't belong to myself, but I belong to you, that means I must actively choose to lower myself Mm -hmm. under you and to serve you. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of flies in the face of like the American perspective of freedom and independence because the Bible doesn't teach independence. The Bible teaches interdependence. Mm -hmm. I am dependent wholly upon God and he has plugged me into a community of believers that both depend upon me and I depend upon them Interdependence. So this is part of that kingdom culture stuff that does not mesh well with the United States of America culture. It doesn't go well. And so this is where the um, kind of American like patriotism slash like Christian patriotism, it really gets ugly because people will take the message of the Bible and try to like weave it into political views, and it doesn't really fit. We're talking about a whole other kingdom. The Bible teaches we are here as foreigners as ambassadors of another kingdom. We are residents of another place. This here is temporary, and while we're here, we're on mission. Mm -hmm. We're not here just chilling. We're here on mission, and the way that we accomplish that mission, Jesus said it, and it's all throughout the Scripture, by truly being one. The greatest evangelistic tool, strategy that we have is being one with one another. He said, "When we love each other, that's when the world is going to know that Jesus is the Son of God, Was sent by Him to come and save the world." Everybody, it's so easy to skip to skip to the step and say, "We, we, we want the lost to know Jesus Christ as their Savior," and we run and make up all these really great like plans. <laughs> let's go do this. Let's go. Let's go to this community. Let's go to that, and we overlook the very most potent initiative we have, let me just serve my brother. Let me just serve my sister and live with integrity. Yeah. Let me just actually lower myself. That's the best way I can reach the lost. Yeah. Lower myself and, and serve my brother and sister. Yeah. That's what Jesus said. Yeah. But it's such a hard thing to actually do because it means every day I have to die to my own self and give myself to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm waiting for the day. <laughs> so, um, you guys, is everyone familiar with the Hebrew word shalom? Yeah. What, is, what, is the, what do we typically know that as meaning? Peace. Peace, Peace right. And so this word shalom, um, the Lord has emphasized this to me over about the past year or so. And uh, after really digging into it, coming to a more thorough study of it, we see like there's multiple uses of this word shalom, and, it, and, and it is even in different forms. Oh, okay, jump up anytime you want to. And it, there, it, shalom is even used in verb form. It can be a verb, an action, or a noun, or even a name. Uh, with Gideon, Gideon called the Lord Yahweh shalom. The Lord is peace. And so it's both of these forms of speech. But really, you guys know, like, the meaning is more holistic. Shalom is whole, complete, finished, restored. So I want to read two quick examples from the scripture where shalom is used just to see that this meaning. Exodus twenty-one thirty-three is one place. And this is going over one of the community rules for Israel. It says, if anyone uncovers a pit or digs a pit and fails to cover it and an ox or a donkey falls into it, then the one who dug the pit must shalom the owner for the loss and take the dead animal in exchange. He must shalom, in other words, like a repay, like restore the balance here. You did something and it caused harm, it caused injury, and so now you must shalom, you must put things back into balance and replace um, what, what was thrown off. Shalom him. And then this one I love, though, in Nehemiah. We know the story of Nehemiah when he went to Jerusalem and the city was laying in, ru- in ruins. And the wall that had been built up and was this majestic site at one point had been just crumbled to pieces. just laying all over the ground, around the entire city. So Nehemiah came. And the Jews were living in Jerusalem at this time in their homes, but no one was doing anything about the wall that was laying all over the place. And so Nehemiah had this burden and said, I can't stand for this. This is God's city. This is supposed to represent and reflect the God of the nations. So he gathered the people together. They made a strategy, and they rebuilt the wall. And it only took them about two months. And it says in Nehemiah 6.15, it says, So the wall was shalom, shalom. On the 25th day of Elal, in 52 days, the wall was shalom. All of the broken pieces had been put back and restored to their rightful place. Shalom. It was whole. It was unbroken and put back where it belongs. And this, this is the meaning of shalom. And there's so many implications of that word and then how it is used throughout the scriptures. So, so personal shalom is tied to the idea that our lives are multifaceted. All the areas of our life from, from our physical bodies, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, socially, financially, all of these facets of our lives are, are, are it, to experience shalom must be fit together in their proper place and in alignment with how God has designed us to be. And so shalom is when that is the case. Shalom is also very rare at a personal level and impossible without Christ because every true peace is rooted in the king of peace, the prince of peace. So one way to visualize it is like a puzzle. And so you're putting this puzzle together and when all the pieces are there and then you can see the image completely, it's shalom. Everything is right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you've ever put together a puzzle and then there's like one piece or like two pieces that are missing. Yeah. And you start flipping the couch cut cushions and like digging, like, no, I spent days working on this thing. But oh, side note, never buy a puzzle from Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> You're so You're so you right? just never know. I Who would <laughs> you just trust in <laughs> if there's if there's a piece missing, it's not shalom. That is not good. It's not complete. <laughs> okay, so so this idea of shalom, like this is actually in a sense this is how I have come to see the Bible at large. It's very very simple. Just holistically, like Genesis 1 and 2, God creates all of creation and puts the crowning achievement of the man and wife, and everything is perfect. He created it in Shalom. And then we roll around to chapter 3, and all that starts to come tumbling down with the introduction, with the invitation of sin and brokenness into the world. That's the first three chapters. The rest of the whole story is all about restoring Shalom, Shalom, And removing the separation that was invited in in chapter 3. The rest of the book. The rest of the Torah. The prophets. The historical books. The New Testament. Us today. The book that's still being lived out. It's all part of the same story. Restoring things back to their original design. And we know the way that the Lord works. He doesn't just restore things back the way that they were. But He actually... Redeems it in such a way that is better than when you started. I mean, think about the, the redemption plan. Jesus on the cross, Holy Spirit in filling us, now God living in us, not just with us. He always finishes the story better than the way it began. And we could even see that in Genesis chapter 3. He gives allusions to what he's going to do because when he finds Adam and Eve hiding in the garden. Remember his response. He, he addressed them. He talks to the man, the woman, and the snake. And then we see his graceful, merciful actions. If One, it says that he took skins and he made clothes for Adam and Eve. He covered their shame. They, they, they were aware of their shame and tried to finagle something, but give a leaf a week and it ain't going to be pretty. It's not hiding anything. <laughs> <laughs> So he makes some clothes out of skins and gives them clothes. Thank you, God, for your mercy. And then this merciful act of removing them from the garden. Remember he said, we must not let them eat of the tree of the life now or they will live forever. Can you imagine? Think about the brokenness. We're talking about some of the brokenness in this world right now. Can you imagine living forever in this downward spiral of brokenness and death and torture? God said no. Removing Adam and Eve from the garden was an act of grace so that He can do the redeeming work on the cross. And now we live forever, not by eating of the tree, now by believing on Jesus Christ. And we live forever in a whole new way. (laughs) So uh, there's one last thing about shalom is this, is that even as shalom is, is holistic in completeness, it is not necessarily absence of conflict or absence of trouble what it is is it's a restorative healing presence in the midst of the trouble it's like this incomplete puzzle but it's just not yet done the pieces are there and you've got the help that you need to fit them into the right place and this is what we're called to be in the world. Experience and live in the shalom, but be a shalom presence, a healing, restorative presence in every context where the Lord has plugged us in. In work, in our neighborhoods, at the markets. Just a healing, restorative presence engaged in the places where God has has put us and always listening. Where are the opportunities to be a restorative presence here and now? And so the reason I, I bring up this, this word and this idea is because this is what I have been hearing God speak, the Father speak over His church uh, this year and in this season. God is speaking over His body, shalom, wholeness, be restored in a time and place where there is division, and infractions, and for all intents and purposes, It's a fractured body. He's speaking shalom. He's calling us back together. And all it takes to see that fulfilled is yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We receive it. We will follow it. And I think that this call to wholeness and joining ourselves to the greater body at large is the really the initial build up to a shift in the church culture to a shift in um, real christ centered lifestyles and and really at the heart of it revival uh, Some have been talking about this idea, so thinking about um, southern New England. We're talking about this idea of revival, and more and more people are talking about it and sensing something in the air it's almost like you can smell it in the air like when the rain when it's about to rain, you can kind of smell it in the air it's coming it's here um, and so you make those last minute provisions because it's right on the brink it's about to break, and as they're talking about like oh it's it's here, it's coming, but then some time passes and like no but no, but it's coming, and some would say it's slow in the coming but what I'm seeing the Father do is the revival is here now. It's almost like the, that incoming storm. And you, it, just like if you look on the radar map, it's the outside skirts of it, the outskirts of the storm. You can see it. You can sense it. It's starting to happen. The eye of the storm, where, where all the mess is really there, it's still incoming. But it doesn't just come and then just go. It's working its way in. And this is the initial part of that storm, that incoming revival is, Shalom, come together, prepare yourselves. Because when the glory of the Lord comes and revival hits, this is, we're not looking for, God, don't bring us a revival that lasts five months. God is preparing his body so that we can hold up under the weight of a sustainable revival. And now there is a shift in culture. Now the church doesn't live the way that it's been living for centuries. But it changes for the good and it changes for the long haul it's a sustainable revival man we've read of so many revivals of of times past there's a flare-up and each and every one lasts for so long and it it has its life lifespan and then it dies off this is a new time this is different The Lord is moving in a new way and He's preparing us and even showing us in advance what He's doing. And so all we have to do is say yes and engage in that call. Shalom. Say, yes, Lord, I will give myself to you and to the people that you have called me to. And then He's going to continue that refining work, strengthening and preparing us and calling us to a new way of living that doesn't match the culture of this world. So... When the Lord says, when you love one another the way I love you, the world's going to recognize that. Right now, the world doesn't recognize anything in the church. It's just a nonprofit charitable organization. It's tax-exempt status for now. But when we have a cultural shift because the Spirit of God moves in so powerfully that, when we respond to that and we walk in alignment with that, now living and walking by faith and the power of God, That doesn't match the world. And it can't be be mistaken for what it truly is. That's not natural. No, it's supernatural. That's Jesus. That's the power of his spirit. And so living for God and in his power is not the same. And it can't be mistaken for living without him. Because in the moment it can. God help us. But we're coming upon a new time. And that, man, that excites me. I I love um, Duncan Campbell's quote on revival. One of the things he said about revival is, uh, lack of corporate revival is not an excuse for lack of personal revival. The reality is, God comes wherever he's wanted. And do you want him? You can live in revival here and now, right now. You don't even have to walk out that doors to start living in that state of revival. And we carry that. Now, corporate revival is another thing as that begins to catch momentum and the revival that you live in and you live in and you live in starts to catch fire and go viral and be out of control. Now we're moved to a place of corporate revival, but we can live in personal revival here and now. And it looks like surrender. That's where it starts. Just saying yes. So I want to read those verses in John 17 that I had referenced before. Just a few of them. John 17:20 20 to 23. And just point out a couple things. It says this. My prayer is not for my disciples alone, says Jesus. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Now, look at this. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. the shalom of his body, the restoring of God and man to a unity that is even greater and deeper than the unity that God and man had in the garden. Did you catch how he prayed for that? Jesus prayed and asked his Father to make us one with the same unity that they have, the Trinity. The oneness that is amongst them, he invited us into that. And as a way of opening the door, allowed the Trinity for a moment in time to be broken open as he was put on the cross. And the Father had to turn his back. The Trinity was broken open. And now as it was restored, he's there to invite us in to partake of that level of unity. It always ends way better than it starts. That's the way God works. And then he even said that he gave us his glory so that it could happen. We can't accomplish his plan and will without his tools. And that's the glory. He gave us his glory. He gave us his divine love so that now we're able to actually be one with that kind of unity. And now this is what I love about this. This is what it talks about when he said, I gave them the glory so they could be one. So God's glory manifest in his people is something you can see because it's oneness. It's honoring one another above ourselves. It's yielding to one another, submitting to one another, serving one another. This is the manifest glory of God. It looks like one church. We can see it. And this incoming revival is bringing the answer to Jesus' prayer, and we have been invited to be part of it, here and now. So the question is, how do we get there? So like practically speaking, what what are some things that we need to be aware of? And there's two things I just want to propose, just put out there for consideration, and maybe for prayer. Um, In Mark chapter 4, you guys would remember the story of um, when the disciples were on the boat with Jesus and the storm came in? And remember as the storm came in, Jesus is so at peace, he's actually asleep. And this squall is literally starting to break the boat up and the disciples think this is their last night. So they're freaking out, trying to stay to the boat. Finally, they're like, wait, where's Jesus? Wait, what, he's asleep? So they go find him they wake him up and they're Jesus, don't you... their words are this way in Mark 4. Don't you even care if we die? Or are you just going to peacefully let us all <laughs> leave this place? And Jesus kind of rebukes them. And then he looks at the storm and he says, Peace, Irene. This is the Greek equivalent of shalom. Peace, be still. And I think the important thing to draw from this how do we respond to God's call to shalom? The important thing to 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 gather from this story is, Jesus, in the midst of that turmoil, showed us how to respond. Over and above the disciples, they see this and they're scrambling, trying to manufacture ways to save the boat and keep their lives. This is the natural way of humans, self-preservation. God wants me to live. God wants me to be well. God wants me to be whole. How can I make it happen? Our priority one is preserve myself. Jesus, he saw the storm and he engaged in the conflict. And then he said, peace be still, and then brought peace to the conflict. When there are some unsteady waters in front of us, There's a crossroads that we're at where we can choose to avoid and preserve self and just kind of let that be and say, oh, I'm I'm not going to engage in that. That's not godly. I'm just going to I'm going to go over here and just keep my peace. Or we can follow the model of Jesus and say conflict and then avoidance. I'm going to engage the conflict and be a presence of peace. And so how do we respond when Jesus is calling to us? Shalom. Be whole and together. Move towards the conflict don't avoid it but move with a heart of love and compassion towards it and see how god will guide from there it doesn't look like our natural tendencies because we're always looking to guard ourselves. and jesus will put us in some vulnerable situations and say i am your safeguard not you even your own decisions to preserve yourself can only go so far but at the end of the day, any situation can come and throw you out of whack. Yeah. You, just, you just feel preserved and protected in, in this particular moment. Anything can throw us at any given time. Yeah. Is God sovereign or is he not? And if we trust in his sovereignty, we'll be willing to follow him into uncertain, uncharted waters and say, God, I'm going to just trust the result to you and see what you want to do with this. And the final one is this. um, The second thing I think we need to keep into consideration in times such as this, and I'll close with this. Matthew chapter 9, verses 16 and 17. We've all heard these verses a million times. Jesus said, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear even worse. And neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins, Because if they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wine skins will be ruined. No, what they do is pour new wine into new wine skins, and both are preserved. We know this. We've heard this over and over. And the concept is very, very simple. But when the concept is brought into our own specific context it is very easy to overlook what is actually happening and recognizing when there is a new wineskin, one, needed, two, recognizing a new wineskin when God puts it right in front of our eyes. It's challenging to see this because it's, he's talking about a new vessel. And when God does a new thing, something new, it doesn't always look the same way it did in the past. And so even a new wineskin, just think about something like this, they come in all shapes and sizes and forms. I mean, even think about uh, when Jesus turned the water into wine. That wasn't in a wineskin. That was in a wash basin for the servants. Nobody's going to go looking for wine in the wash basin. But Jesus said, if you want to hold the new wine, you've got to have a new wineskin, or everything's going to be a waste anyway. And so I think the challenge is, As easy as an idea to see a new wineskin is needed for new wine, well, we have to be willing to accept new ideas and new looks and new forms and new methods when that's something that God is offering to us to say, you need to change and tweak things in order to contain what what I want to pour into you. If we look at the church now, and the way that we tend to practice church, we have done church in a particular way, like very similar, one to another, for centuries. Much longer than the United States has even been a country. Right? Way longer. This is how church has been and how it has worked. And now, the Lord is calling us into a new season the way that we've been referring to it is a new era. And in a new era, things work a new way. And so we got to be willing to accept a new way of doing things and ask God to give us the vision to recognize a new wineskin when he puts it right in front of us. Because here's the other part of the challenge. When you have a new wineskin, it doesn't come already full. (laughs) It's empty. And so if we got something that is unfamiliar and then we're questioning its validity... And then it's empty? I'm going to say this is worthless. Throw it in the yard sale. The challenge is to hold that new wineskin long enough for God to pour in the new wine and experience what he wants to do in the new era. God give us the strength to submit so that when he is putting something in our hands and we say, what is this? Not to drop it and say, no, that must not be right. (laughs) But be willing to hold it there and say, even if everything in us is saying, this doesn't make sense. We've been experiencing this at our own church. This doesn't make sense. Is there even any value? But that new wineskin doesn't come with the new wine in it. It will be poured in as long as we hold it. And this is what God is calling us to. Tune in. God, that you would give us ears to hear and and a willing heart to receive the new things that you want to do in us as your people. May we not cling so tightly to the old wineskin and knowing that there's value there, but at the same time, there's something he wants to draw into the new era. May we be a people, a transient people, the time that we're living in. We are living in a hard time. Why? Because we're living between the two worlds the way things have been, and now the way things are going to be. And we're tied between the two. And the tendency is, this is familiar. I know it works, at least to a certain extent. This is uncertain. I'm just going to stay here. But God says, no, there's something new. I want to bring you across the Jordan. I want to bring you into the promised land. Will you, are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to follow me? because he's going to carry us through. This is his heart. He's going to bring us there. And he is merciful. He is so patient and long-suffering and graceful. And so even where we're this way, if we don't have the strength to make it all the way across and we want to be here, he'll work with us. He is patient. But he's going to continue to work upon our heart. Remember, we're not the main character of this story. (laughs) He is. We're part of his story. And it's all that same story of bringing back together what was separated in chapter 3. Yeah. No doubt. That's what it's all about. We are so good at complicating things and making it more difficult than it ever needs to be. Yes. And it's so simple. This is one of the ways that I've begun to discern um, what I should do with particular interactions and relationships and things like this. When I look at it and I say, okay, is this interaction or was this exchange... Or is this potential conversation something that could help to bring closer? Or is it something that would create divide? Because we know that God's heart is to bring all things into unity under Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so this is the one, a way I've started to filter. Should I do this or not? Does, does this close the separation and, and remove divisions? Or does this actually feed into them and then move accordingly? That's the heart of God. He wants us together. And so, I think I'll leave you with that this morning. I, I'll, all right, I'll throw this one last one out. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll, just this one, this one uh, last thing. A, a really quick verse. And then you stop me, you pray. Pray first. You remember in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul is addressing the church because they were all out of sorts, You got people, you know, speaking word of knowledge and tongues and all. And it's crazy. It's nuts because the Holy Spirit is moving in mighty ways. And we know he lives in each and every one of us. And so anytime anyone feels a prompting, boom, they're shouting it out. And it's just a madhouse. And if anything, if someone walks in that door, it makes a mockery of God. Like, what is this chaos? So Paul is addressing the church. And he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 32, the spirit of the prophets they are subject to the control of the prophets. God is not a god of disorder, but peace. Right. There it is again. God is a god of order. And so, our spirit, we have the ability to control what we do with what God is showing us. The spirit is if he puts a word in our heart or if he prompts us to do something, I'm not out of control like, "Oh, whoa, what what are you doing, God?" Right. No, 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 that is not how it works. <laughs> He deposits a word in your spirit. And then at the right and appropriate fitting time, we release it. After we discern who is it for, is this just for me? Is this for the house? Is this for a family? Or or is this the right context? Maybe I should share this with this family after service is over. Maybe this isn't something that the whole service needs to stop. But I need to identify this person afterwards and share it with them. So it's this whole idea. Paul is speaking to this church. And he's saying, listen, I'm not saying that you're not hearing from Holy Spirit. You're making this stuff up. But I am saying that when you hear from God, you can control what you do with it. Let's keep things appropriate. Now, in those times, the church was insane. So he needed to temper that. And so, you know, I don't know about churches around here, but I know in churches around southern New England, that is not a problem that we have. We don't need to temper anything. Actually, I, th- I look at this and I say, the way that we need to, what we need to learn from this, the spirit of the prophet is subject to control of the prophet. God is prompting people all the time and we're sitting on our hands yeah. because we're in control of what we do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we're living in a time where... Well, I'm like screaming, shouting over the church, get up and do something. Show me some sign of life. Are you? Alive? Is there a heartbeat here? Because the control of the people is so strong. They're not doing anything with what God is prompting in their spirit. Yeah. And so we need a new level of boldness yeah. to speak out and do something. God's moving. He hasn't stopped moving, but we have. Yeah. We've exercised, and a lot of times we've exercised too much control. And not enough discernment. And so again, in, in the season that we are in, God, help us. <laughs> but he'll do it. He'll do it. My, I hope this wasn't too harsh. My hope is to be an encouraging message to the body. <laughs> To say, God is on the move. He's calling us into a new era. If there's any discouragement or hurt or, or any of this that you've experienced, the Lord is doing something new and we can be part of it. And it's all about being whole and complete, joined together in perfect unity with Him and one another. Every member of the body serving and loving one another. So... No, yeah,
1: we not. need admonishment. Ed, thank you for preaching to my soul. No, <laughs> uh, it's so true. And you know, I'll just um, add to that and just confirm because uh, we both were woken up in the middle of the night with a word refreshment over over us. And he said it, and then I was like, "Whoa, that's the same word exactly." It wasn't. it wasn't fresh outpouring or fresh this? It was refreshment, and I believe that that's the word for this for this body, uh, refreshment. And on the way here we were talking and you know it's the same spirit the spirit of god sometimes it's served in a different cup but it's the same spirit of god right so um i just want to encourage you with that there is a refreshment that's coming right if yeah. it's um yeah. busy and it feels um a little strivy or whatever it may be like there is refreshment here it just might be served in a different cup and that's okay because it's the spirit of god that is giving you that that refreshment. So that's um, what we felt from the Lord um, over over for to us, spoken just for you. <laughs> so we yeah. give that, that shalom to you. Um, yeah, go ahead and pray. Um, yeah,
2: sure. So Lord, thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Lord. We know that you are going to fulfill your plans. You're already in, in that process. And so I just thank you that you've invited us to be part of it. Thank you so much for giving us life for such a time as this. Thank you, Lord, for depositing your spirit within us. Thank you for your patience with us as we go through the process. Lord, we've got sometimes it feels like so much to learn and so far to go. And you're so patient. You are in every step with us. You're not here trying to rush us along, but you're with us in the moment. And at the same time as you're present with us, You're gently leading us to the next step to move into the next moment and the next season. Lord, we receive you. We hear your call to shalom, and we say, yes, Lord. We yield to you. We yield to your body, our family. Thank you for making us one. We receive you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You see why I love them so much? Not yet. Oh. <laughs> um, it's so cool. Um, just um, I'm going to have Rob come up in a minute. But it, real quick, I just want to say, like, it's so cool because I've shared this a couple of times here at the house. Um, but back in 2014, this was literally, like, within weeks of meeting them for the first time. And um, I remember I... Woke up in the middle of the night, and the Lord was like, I want you to start praying. He didn't even tell me about what. So I was like, okay. It's like 2.30 in the morning. I just start praying. So I'm coming up with things, you know. And um, then he gives me an open vision of America. And America was like highlighted gold, and it was glowing. And so I'm just – I'm praying for America, and I'm praying for revival, and da 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 And then in the vision – The glowing actually then narrowed down to the East Coast, but I noticed it was specifically the 13 colonies, the original 13 colonies, those 13 states. Um, So I went on my phone, and just to confirm what I was looking at, I went from the bottom to the top, and I prayed for every individual state. And then it narrowed down again to the mid-Atlantic region and New England. And then again, I went bottom to top, and I prayed for each state. And then it narrowed again, and it was just Rhode Island and Delaware, which, of course, I don't know if you guys know this, but these are the two smallest states in America, the two smallest. Um, Rhode Island's actually the smallest, and then we're the second smallest. We're the first state. Rhode Island's the 13th. And and I didn't actually know that till probably at least a year or two after this vision. I had no idea Rhode Island was the 13th. Then that was like a whole other level of what? <laughs> and so this, this thing of this, of this revival, I've known it in my heart for almost 10 years. I've known it's not revival in the way we've understood it. In conversations with them, in conversations with Pastor Robert, there's something different. And I've talked to individuals in this room, and I see some of you nodding your heads of, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm excited for, for them sharing and the connection that's now been made between Rhode Island and Delaware officially today. Um, because what's beginning to happen is what the Lord told me about 10 years ago. Did I know a lot of these minute details in between were going to happen? Did I know like this transition that we're having that we're having at the house was going to happen was nowhere on my radar? But it opened the door for this to now happen. And I that Rob and I were looking at each other at a different cup. That that is profound. Um so Rob
3: So, this is, this is so exciting to me. So, thank you guys for being here today. Um, Amanda spoke a few months ago, and it was sometime last year, I think. And, and God put this thing on me that day when she spoke because it was such a powerful word that she gave. But what, Ed, what you've been talking about, when you're talking about the culture, that's something that, that a lot of us can, can sit there and go, oh, we want to see the culture change. We want our culture to change. There's only one way to make that happen, and the only way that we can change the culture is by first disrupting the current culture. You have to disrupt it. Jesus was the ultimate disruptor of culture. So, when you see, when you read, when he stepped into the temple, And he walked up and he grabbed the scroll, he opened it up, laid it out, and read that passage out of Isaiah, and then closed that off saying, today, this has been fulfilled in front of you. He threw the biggest disruption into the culture of that day. It changed everything. It's why we're here today. So, so there are people in this room today, right now, that are disruptors of culture and one of the biggest cultures that needs to be disrupted is the culture we live in today within the confines of the United States of America yeah. because that 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 culture has always been but it's really showing itself in in a lot of ways now especially in politics is very empirical very very mirroring like the greek roman culture which was all about control and domination we've always for you know once the US became a superpower, that's that's how we've lived ever since then is about remaining in control and dominating, whatever, no matter what that looks like. So Dawn, I you know, just got, God put it on me this morning is that you are a disruptor of culture. You know, because you're 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 stepping into something and, and she and, and she kind of said it when she was, was saying that stuff to you earlier. You're here to throw a wrench into the works we all are so so something we do in sozo a lot especially in our trainings is after we go through a teaching we do something and and ed while you were praying i heard sly said she said the word and she said activate so five minutes before that i asked them through text message can i do an activation and you echoed it so, so I want to activate, I want us to do something to activate the word that's just been released to us today, because if we don't get it into our spirit, with, like you said it, these guys are going to leave, and we're going to go home and get caught up in the drift of our own lives, and we're going to forget everything they said, except the part where we go, those, those friends of yours gave an excellent word. What was it about? <laughs> something about something. But it was good, I'd, you know, so, so what I want to do is I, I want to do an activation this morning. And, and so if you will, I don't even know what I'm going to say because I'm just like trusting God in this one. So if you will just, it, that's true. So if, if, if you guys can all just close your eyes and just first off, this is for my sake, just take a deep breath in and as you let it out feel the shalom that ed was talking about the thing about about it it is peace and it is restoration it's reconciliation it's all of those things yeah so repeat after me say father god i receive the word this morning And today I choose choose to allow that word to to penetrate my life life. so that I can be be a disruptor of culture. culture. Not Not from rebellion, but through submission to you. So that the world will know that That your love conquers everything. everything. It heals division. It disrupts culture. culture. Hmm. And it changes our hearts. hearts. Hmm. Amen. Man.
0: How you guys feel? Mike's over there. Oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, right now,
1: Joe,
0: just okay. I just, Sorry, I'm bad at reading mouths. You really are. I, you should she, learn that. I also am not putting my glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> I want
1: to pray for, for Joe. Um I wanna pray for you guys, but um I wanna pray for Joe because when he was leading worship, I don't know if if y'all saw in the spirit the transformation. Um I picked up that word transformation and you know brings you to Romans 12 where we're not conformed by the patterns of this world and um then I just saw the word vulnerable over you, and that is a place, man, Whew. to lead worship from a vulnerable place where you're literally being transformed right in front of, right? It's, it's not, I, I applaud you for that, because, and not for, for like, yay, Joe, but like, yay, Joe, let the Lord continue to transform you, even if it's in front of whomever, doesn't matter but I could literally see and I've uh, known you shorter than I've known Amanda but um, I've seen the transformation and Eddie and I were talking about that yesterday and it's it's so beautiful to be outside of the circle right where we can come in and see what the Lord has done and seeing the transformation in your life that picture right there just was such a marker for for your life I believe that the Lord is going to continue to show you moments like that where you're being transformed and you're going from glory to glory, and there's more coming. And as you continue to just be renewed, 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 there's something there that's um, very transformative. I can't get away from that word. It's just caterpillar butterfly moment where it's just transformative, transformative. So um, I do want to pray for the both of you, if that's okay. I know we're kind of like hijacking your service. Um, you want to sit in the the Jesus tears? The Jesus, the Jesus chairs are already prepared for you. I mean, this couldn't be more perfect. The healing chairs. I, I don't, I know the Presbyterian, the ministry and a lot of things are shifting, and changing, but there's, and I don't know the connections of all of it, but I, there's something here in this front row (laughs) that's like a, like a, you know? (laughs) <laughs> if you know, you know. Like, if There's something there that's a connectivity from heaven that's beautiful, and it's tangible, and I see it. There's something incredibly um, sweet and special going on there. God bless you, those that are leaving late for lunch. The, pot, the potluck stuff is happening. Um, no, but there's something sweet there with, with you guys. Um, and then you, there's such a sweet interruption there that's happening. It's like holy cow, like, I want to, like, be your friend, you know, I want to connect with you, I want to see what's happening as you're more than just Facebook friends, like, I want to see what's happening with, with where the Lord takes you, because it's, wow, it's so good, um, and then the gentleman in the pink, like, there's some, Pastor Bob, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, um, it's just so sweet, so I just want to pray over the leadership in this church, um, Eddie, if you want to, come up and if, if you guys feel led to come and pray over them and lay hands and you guys too like if you guys can just come up like there's just um yeah amanda and joe like there's this netting not knitting but nets like throwing up throwing out nets um, so there's a netting together that's happening with you guys and the leadership of this church and the others that are coming. Um, you know, Pastor Bob, just there's this netting. There's nets that are being thrown, and, but the nets are together. So I see that, you know, and for you guys, I just hear this song. Just It says just everything else can wait. Everything else can wait. And, and the song goes, everything else can wait. I'm here for you. I just want you to just be at your feet to just be resting in your presence. It's not about how much work you're going to get done, but being in the rest of the Lord that's going to help you accomplish the things that He's set for you already. It's already done. It's already done. And those nets are just interweaved together and it's the most beautiful. And that's how you're going to be able to see the catch come in, right? The nets coming together. So father, I just thank you for, for the leadership in this church. God, I thank you for, uh, what you're painting. You're painting such a beautiful picture here. God, and they're ready to receive it. They're saying, yes, Lord, activate me. Show me what we need to do um, together as one family, as one body. We are ready and we're, we're willing to do whatever it is that you are asking of us. We already know that the plan is set. We already know that there's The things that you want us to do are set in motion and in place. And now we just have to simply walk in it. But together, submitting to the one another and walking together with those nets, together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless this leadership, Lord, all of the people that are that walk through the doors, the ones that are going to be walking through these doors in the coming months and years. Father, may this be a house of praise to you, God, a, pray, a place of healing, of deliverance, of salvation. That's what we desire for this house. Let it be all of the things that are just been spoken over this house. Let it just come. Let it just come, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that I know that we're in a kind of remote place, but as those doors open, Father, that your spirit should just blow upon the houses and miles away, wherever it has to be. Let this be a place where people are drawn to because of your presence residing in this place. And the unity, the oneness, the reverence for you, God. Let them come, Lord Jesus, to be at your feet and fall on their face. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We thank you, God. You are gracious. You are good. You are kind. In Jesus' name.